2: Hercules Invictus, and Athena Victory celebrates the mythic impulses of ancient Greece and Rome, and they invite you to celebrate with them. Welcome to Voice of Olympus. Greetings and welcome to Voice of Olympus. It's the third Monday of the month and uh, time for a Pride of Olympus crossover. And our first segment is Mythic Adventure with Bob Vossler of the USS Challenger. And uh, before we start uh, talking to Bob, uh, it is very important to note that today's show is dedicated to Todd Brugmans, who had been a guest on the show Uh, A few months back and who was scheduled to return to the show Uh, But alas, he is no longer with us And uh, today, uh, we'll be honoring him as well as others Who were vital parts of our Star Trek universe uh, Before they passed on and will resonate with us still Greetings and welcome, Bob. How are you?
3: All right. Happy holidays
2: Glad to to be here (laughs) Glad to have you here um, wow, we've lost a lot of uh, people recently, both uh, personally and uh, in terms of the greater mythos.
3: Yes, we have, and it's always sad to to see the icons of Star Trek, uh, you know, uh, go away. Um, but they leave us a great legacy of their talent. Uh, and among those that that have passed were D.C. Fontana, who was very instrumental in uh, creating the the lore of, of of a lot of Star Trek, in, including the the backstory of Spock himself. We unfortunately lost her. Um, we lost Renee Ovitchewa, the wonderful actor who um, I only got to see once that I recall at a convention. Uh, and and two years ago he was set to come to Tom's River, but unfortunately uh, he was ill at the time. Not seriously ill. He had a a bad flu and they were afraid that if he was on a, on a plane that it might develop into pneumonia Where you know, they didn't want him to take the flight. So uh, he, he could not be there. And I was so disappointed because we would have made a presentation to him because it was, you know, our own hometown, but he, he, he played Odo. He was in so many different things as a character actor. Uh, you know, he was in Benson. He was in uh, Boston legal uh, and in, in seventies TV, you couldn't watch an episode of anything. Charlie's angels, wonder woman, Starsky and Hutch, uh, you know, uh, that he wasn't a guest star on at one point or another. Um, ironically just before the show, which is almost, it was almost a little late. Uh, I was watching a rerun of Andy Griffith, and, um, uh, there was, uh, of, of all times because of tonight, um, uh, and I can't think of his first name right now, uh, but Robert Pollard, I believe that was his name, um, who was in the episode Miri of Star Trek. Uh, mm-hmm. He was also in um, uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, he was, you know, he was never a, a star character, but he was always an interesting character. And, and Andy Griffith, he played kind of a bumbling, um, yet talented young man, and, and that was what he was known for. He was he was known for these little subdued characters um,
2: uh-huh.
3: you know, and um, sort of the background character, but very interesting guy. Uh, unfortunately, I never had the honor of meeting him, but uh, I, I think, I think, you know, even though he was in Miri, I think the, the thing that uh, I remember him best from was he played uh, Superman's foe in, in the Superboy TV series of the 1990s. He played, he played Mr. Mixie Pitilick, or however you might pronounce it, Mixy Pitilick, and he looked so much like him. I mean, they had him in the the, the exact costume, and he had that look to him, that, that impish little look. He was perfectly cast. Um, and, um, you know, I, I will always remember him as that, even more so than, than his role in Miri. But, um, and unfortunately, we also lost, um, I'm going to bring that name up because it wasn't a household name, but the uh, Robert Walker Jr. who played Charlie X, uh, we also lost. And, um, you know, Charlie X is, is, is uh, um, a very, you know, famous character from early Star Trek and, and DC Fontana, I believe, wrote that episode. So, um, you know, another link. To, to you know what we lost, but but uh they you know unfortunately, everyone is you know getting older and and, and things but they they leave behind such a wonderful legacy of uh, of their work um you know uh when I remember seeing Renier, uh he had said on stage that he was actually a very shy person that uh really you know. Yeah, and I, that was surprising because, you know, he is an actor, and I was like, how can you be shy? But it, what I think he meant was in public, um, you know, but he, he was very nice to the fans. And um, I had a particular liking of him because, um, you know, after, uh, after his time on Deep Space Nine, I, I started to listen to a lot of audio novels when I was doing uh, commuting. Um, and, and it wasn't even a Star Trek uh, novel, but he does, uh, or he did, he did the narration for a, a series of books by uh, Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child. It's kind of got an X-Files type of flavor to it. Uh, and uh, this, this character, this FBI agent, uh, Aloysius Pendergast, and, uh, and he just brought that that series alive for me. Like I didn't even want to read the book. I just wanted to always listen to it as an audio novel because he would narrate it and he only missed one book. And maybe it's because I was so used to him. uh, It just wasn't the same with somebody else's voice, you know, doing, doing the story, you know, right? Um, because I kind of pictured almost Renier being Pendergast, you know, he would do all the voices. He would do the, the narration, but, but 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 I would just you know think of that character and kind of put Renier's uh, features on, onto the description of, of what the character actually looks like. Um, so uh, you know he'll he'll greatly be best. And and Deep Space Nine, I think you and I have talked about this before, is uh, probably you know tied with with first place with with Trek Classic as my favorite Star Trek series. And and one of O- Odo was such an important character, and uh, you know, just just last week, I believe it was, my wife and I, um, you know, were watching H and I channel, and they had the final episode of Deep Space Nine, and uh, you know, we just had to stop what we're doing, and uh, and and watch it. It was, um, you know, it was so moving. I think it was of all the Star Trek series, it 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 definitely had the best. Finale uh, You know And it was bittersweet To see them all go And Odo Return to the To his home world And, and you know Leave uh, Kira uh, You know So um, And and of course e- Earlier this year uh, Shortly I think sh- Just around the time That unfortunately We lost Todd We, we lost Aaron Eisenberg You know Nog um, Also from Deep Space Nine So um they're they're just you know they were just so talented and brought those characters to life um, and uh, and they will they will definitely be missed.
2: Wow, that's a lot of people to uh, lose.
3: Yeah, it's. Um... You know, it's it, it is it's you, you know you feel it as if as if they're members of your your family because you're just so used to them even if they're if you haven't seen them in a while. I I don't believe Robert Walker, or Charlie X um, did a lot of acting in recent years, uh, but he was very talented as a uh, a photographer. I believe um, I think I read something in his obituary. Um, you know, he he was 79, and it's it and even if, with the more recent pictures, you can, you know, he has a beard and he's got gray hair, but you know, you, 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 you see his face and you, you immediately you're taken yeah. back. Yeah. You know, he was, I think he was all of 17 when he was, when he played that part. Uh, I'll, I'll bring it up. Um, And, and definitely DC Fontana uh, did write that episode. Um. I'm looking here, and uh, let's see. Uh, Montana told .com in 2013 that I loved the work Robert Walker Jr. did. The ending I had written was retained, uh, with Charlie being taken away where he could do no harm, but where he would never be with anyone he could ever really touch, uh, which made it all the more poignant, you know, that,
1: that, that he yes.
3: had to... Yeah. And, and I think some of these characters, we always kind of had a secret hope that, that we would see them again somehow. Is that we would, you know, like characters like Trelane, I mean, we did get to see Harry Mudd again. Um, we did get to see Tyrone Jones again in the form of, of the animated episode. You know, characters like that. Uh, we, we never did get to see Charlie X. I, well, I, I think the closest we came was uh, Star Trek Continues. The, the fan... Uh, based series um, on the yep. character back, but Robert Walker uh, did not reprise his role. Um, but uh, no, but but they made those characters so believable. Um, and then, uh,
2: yeah, that, so, that that's uh, more than uh, than I had uh, realized. I know we've spoken about uh, some of the folks you have lost before, but looking at them all together. Uh, those who have recently passed. And, of course, uh, Leonard Des Moines uh, passed not too long ago uh, as well.
3: Yeah, and, and we're, we're we're reminded of that, too, with his wife is doing uh, uh, some commercials, uh, anti-smoking commercials, to remind people that his, you know, his, his cigarette-smoking habit, I mean, when he was doing Star Trek, you know, he was uh, – he was smoking several packs a day. It was, it was you know, right. Uh, and, and even though he had managed to quit, you know, over the years, it had done substantial damage, you know, which is why he has, the has the uh, developed that, uh, like that condition. I, I forgot now what it's called, the yeah. c-, c o p p mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, it, you know, um, and And his wife you know uh his widow uh is on these commercials and, and mentions you know how how serious it can can be so you know um, uh and and of course over the years we've lost uh i, I believe this year we al- we also lost uhnette uh, y- Yarnell. i'm I'm probably botching the, the name, but she was the very pretty blonde woman. Who is in the episode "The Apple"? Who uh, you know? Chekhov got the girl in that episode. Yarnell
2: Y-A-R-N-E-L-L?
3: Um, yes, and Emily and I got to meet her at a convention, and while you know, we we got to know her more as you know the actress than we did you know we you know the 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 character doesn't play a big role in the show other than to be you know. Um, very nice eye candy and, and somebody that, you know, uh, Chekhov gets a little flirty time with. But um, she was just a very uh, charismatic person at a convention. Uh, we, you know, we I believe I interviewed her. Did I interview her? Or did, did we just have some time at the table talking to her? Um, but uh, uh, But she was very friendly to fans. Uh, she was joking around with us a lot. She loved having her picture taken. Uh, at that time, we the Challenger was still doing, you know, the the old hard print newsletters, you know, which I, uh-huh. at times I, I still the And I know we had her on the cover. I I think with Emily and I, or 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 Emily, uh, a nice picture. And of course, she she had the, the gave us the autograph. Um, this is back in the days when you had to pay for everything. But um, she was just so sweet. Um, so and uh, you know when when you lose these people, you know you you think back and uh, you know to when you might have met them and the and the memories that you have of their convention appearance. Um, right.
2: Well, start and, and has uh, well, the memories of people alive through the conventions and uh, through the novels and through the uh, fan productions and uh, uh, I, I mean the fandom is really honored. Uh, the contributions that each of these individuals made to the mythos, be it uh, writing, directing, producing, um, acting in, uh, and uh, has kept it going, uh, you know, like half a century. <laughs> so that's very yeah.
3: impressive. And with D.C. Fontana, I mean, D.C. Fontana, obviously her big imprint was Star Trek and 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 uh, being a trail grip. Uh, Blazer as a as a female writer and, and you know, she was D.C. Fontana, not Dorothy Fontana because, you know, uh, she couldn't get work. She she was submitting right. scripts and only until she started to you know, uh, I think either she told her agent or her agent told her maybe you should, you know, you're just not getting work because of the um, uh, you, know, you know, unfortunately because you're a woman and I think it was her that suggested to the agent, well, I'm going to start submitting it as DC, you know, Fontana. So it's, it's, you know, people ask and and, and that's how she got commissioned, even though she was already an executive secretary for, for Gene Roddenberry. um, You know, she was still facing opposition, you know, through the, through the networks. And then she, she had, you know, really had put her imprint on, on the show and, and then, you know, got steady work and then had a uh, more of a production title uh, did work for Next Gen, did some episodes for, you know, at least one episode for Deep Space Nine. Um, but but what people don't know is that, you know, in the 70s when we had that dry spot of, you know, when we didn't have Star Trek, she was doing some sci-fi shows like uh, Fantastic Journey. Um, uh-huh. And I think she may have done the Logan's Run TV series, uh, might have done a, a, a script for that. Um but uh, And I think she also did that, that short-lived show called uh, Otherworld, if you remember that. Um, I
2: don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember that. It, it might have been an episode, but uh, it's uh, not really sticking to memory.
3: Sorry for my noisy puppies. Um, That's okay.
2: Otherworld my puppies are too.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Otherworld was the show. It had a family, and they, they went through some kind of vortex. Corbett um, uh, another person who I believe we lost this year um, who was known as rock on the rock and Files is rock and files girlfriend but she was the mom uh, in the show. and uh, yeah it, it the the family would go from um, uh, you know zone to zone and, and, and have their their adventures and in, in much the same way that Fantastic Journey with Jared Martin and Roddy McDowell, and you know, and but DC Fontana definitely had uh, a role in that show as well, you know, in, in the writing. And uh, it, at that time, it was very rare that they would have any form of continuity between episodes. But I think because DC Fontana was, I could be wrong on this, but I believe she was the script editor, I think she was able to keep. You know, a, a kind of a continuity, whereas that was a rare thing, you know, um, in in shows of that time. In, in, you know, we look back to the nineteen seventies now as a, a distant past thing, and yet, you know, you and I grew up on those shows and loved oh. them. You know, but but the thing that surprised me most was um, that uh, you know, I'm a big Dallas fan, and I don't need the football team; I mean the TV show. I I love Dallas and DC Fontana was writing for that as well. Um, So, uh, and I always wondered why there were so many Star Trek guest stars, you know, get actors who were guest stars. I don't know if DC Fontana had anything to do with that. That just may have been a coincidence, but you know, uh, the actor who played punk Anderson, uh, the original actor who played Zephryn Cochran was in, in, in Dallas. Um, uh the actress who played Mara was uh, Susan Howard had a regular role she was she was a regular in, in several seasons of Dallas um Punk Anderson uh Jock Ewing's best friend was in two episodes he was captain he was captain Stacy you know the from the episode of uh, uh the E-Plebnitsa episode uh the Omega episode. <laughs> Uh, and, and he was also in the episode with, um, you know, playing a, a, a inmate of an assailant, assailant asylum. Then he got beamed up to the to the ship. So he yeah. and so. But uh, and and unfortunately, speaking of him, I believe that within the last year or last year, uh, this year or last year, that we lost that actor as well, um, and. Uh, he was he was pretty up much up in age, so. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, but uh, you know, a- along with the with the unfortunate news of of all these passings, you know, there is some good news on other fronts. One is that okay. um, if it, good it has it has just confirmed, and you may know this, or and if not, you know, uh, I'll just mention again. It, uh, it has been confirmed that there will, in fact, uh, it looks very hopeful for another Star Trek movie uh, in the Kelvin verse and that uh, oh, Christopher wow. Pine has been signed up. I don't know. I, I think it's too early to tell what script they're going with. I don't think they're going with the same plan that they had because I don't, I didn't see that Chris Hemsworth had been uh, re-signed up, but um but they reached some kind of negotiation with Christopher Pine, so that it is, uh, you know, that that's going forward. Uh, so that's very good news, you know. Um, that is good news. Uh,
2: is the Quentin Tarantino Star Trek still happening? Uh, well,
3: I I thought that was supposed to happen after the fourth movie. Um, okay. So I don't know if they're incorporating ideas or. Or now, because that movie script has presumably been scrapped, if they will go directly uh, with the, the, the Quentin Tarantino um, directing and, and his and his story, his story idea, um, I think it's too early. But there there was some confirmation that that uh, Christopher Pine is back in in it, and that things are looking much more. Um, you know, positive as as to a future movie, um, and uh, I just saw just moments before um, we came on uh, that the card which is going to premiere next month, uh, I believe wow. on the twenty second of January, ha- has already been um, renewed for a second season without even having premiered. That it that that apparently the arrangement is for two seasons. So that was That's news. Awesome.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I so heard the show unchanged, cool. however. Uh, do you know what's going on with that? Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. Um let me bring that up. Uh, that just came up. Let's see if it's on our region seven page. I thought I know I saw it just before, and I thought maybe I saw it on um, let me see. Um, but uh yeah, I, I don't know what that means, you know, um because I thought the person that they had brought aboard was was now supposed to be, you know, helming a lot of of the um the shows. Um but uh, let me see. I'm just happy that they're going to do it um, uh, that they have such confidence in the show that um, that that we're we're going to get two seasons automatically
2: and I've already seen mm-hmm. uh in uh, stores, in the video departments, or I don't even if to call it video departments anymore, but where the movies are, uh, there's like a, a Picard background set that has uh, TV episodes and movies that will help people make sense of, uh, of new series. So um, I haven't really yeah. checked the contents yet, but I'm imagining that everything there is relevant to understanding the new Picard show. So that'd be worth uh, re watching. I have all the original episodes, so I'll just have to look through the, uh, and find them.
3: Um, I'm seeing that um, the Star Trek Discovery creator Alex Kurtzman revealed in March that it will be a very different show. Well, we kind of know that already. on no, no. And I forgot who it was that was, oh, they have in that nice picture of the Admiral's uniform that I just want to drool over, because that looks, you know, fantastic. Um, looks very superhero-ish, like, um, but I'm not seeing anything about the, uh, the, in this particular article about the showrunner. Um, but, uh yeah, I I, I think uh, I I know that they're also planning to go ahead with the Star Trek um, Section Thirty One series with um, yeah, with Michelle. And also and the uh,
2: cartoon. hmm
3: Both of which should be very interesting. The animated or the cartoon it I, and I would describe it more as a cartoon from um, lower desk uh, decks is definitely gonna be more um comedic, you know. Um but uh, and I and I think they've been playing a little bit more with, with some of the humor. And our last our the last our our last episode we talked about the Star Trek shorts and yes. uh, they definitely had a lighter tone with some of them. You know, the the Harry Mud one, the episode with Spock, even, when they were trapped in the elevator, uh, and definitely the episode that had the Tribbles in it. So, now, um,
2: I'm hearing a, a lot of uh, rumors that uh, uh, they're planning on doing an Enterprise show uh, with uh, um, Captain April and, and so forth. Is that uh, seriously being considered, or is that just uh... – uh, fandom fantasizing, you know, what they'd like to see.
3: You're you're talking about the uh, early voyages or of yes, of Anthony yes. Anthony Mount playing Picard and and uh um Ethan Ethan uh Phil uh, playing um Ethan Hawke, I'm sorry. Uh Ethan Hawke playing Spock um yeah, I, uh, I know that there's a great. There, there. I, I didn't hear anything confirmed. I know there's uh-huh. a great desire to see that happen. Um, yeah, those that,
2: are great, and they brought back the nostalgia of the show much better than the Discovery crew did. Um, so oh, uh, it, it, that that would be something new, and it would tie directly into something old, and I'm, I'm sure. Uh, it would draw a lot of new fans as well as satisfy all the old fans because this is a the Trek they remember. Mm-hmm.
3: And I, and I remember, and I think you might have uh, read it too, that um, Marvel Comics, when they had the the uh, rights to, to Star Trek in the mid to late 90s, um, had several other titles besides Next Gen, Classic, Deep Space Nine and Voyager, they also had uh, uh, Star Trek, the early voyages, which had, you know, um, um, uh, Captain Pike and and Spock and number one and and Yeoman cult. And, um, you know, and and that was as close as we ever got to, to seeing that, that pre, you know, Kirk enterprise. Um, This, this, You know, this would be great if they if they pursued that. Um,
2: It it would be, and uh, there were some uh, novels I remember. I remember reading a few of them uh, that had uh, um, you know that happened uh, around the the voyage where the menagerie uh, took place, Um, and uh, um, the 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 original uh, Star Trek, um, which uh, the first pilot was uh, created around and uh mm-hmm. i remember enjoying reading those novels and i really enjoyed watching uh, uh folks from that era um new actors representing them on discovery so that would be something i I'd, I'd love to see
3: yeah i would i i hope they go forward with that i you know to be honest i like that concept more than i like the concept of um of section 31 because uh although Michelle Yeoh is, is just a, a, a wonderful actress right, um yeah. i just i just don't know how they can sustain uh, that kind concept um for a long period of time because every time we've seen section 31 you know it it hasn't been you know it's not a good organization. you know it's kind of you know corrupt so um you know, I, I just don't know how they're going to, you know, it'd be like doing a series around the mirror universe, uh, right. you I mean, know, but from that's... the perspective of, you know, from the perspective of the, um, you know, the the, the the Terran Empire crew. And while that's cool to watch for a while, you know, um, you, you can't really sympathize with the, you know, with, with the bad guys, so... Um, in fact, you know, but I've been wrong before, so I, you know, who knows what they have planned?
2: And in fact, that's imbued with the mirror universe, some of the characters uh, in it, uh, in section thirty-one. So that that should yeah, be very really, uh,
3: exactly. So in, in a way, they're kind of throwing us, you know, a little of both, you
2: know, that they're, they're
3: throwing that, yeah.
2: We're approaching the end of our journey uh, today, um, and I, I I didn't know Todd uh, Brugman. So he was on the show. I got to talk to him. We planned a project together that just never uh, materialized with our uh, busy uh, schedules, and uh, he was going to come back on the show at a certain point. And, again, that's, that's not going to happen. But uh, I Googled him, and there's a lot of imagery there Uh, He seems to have been a very creative individual, uh, everything from costuming to writing, um, you know, to illustrating. (laughs) So uh, he seems like a very interesting uh, individual, one that I regret uh, not connecting uh,
3: with. You know, as time, you know, had he he stayed with us, you know, had he not had this unfortunate uh, turn in his health, uh, I think Todd would have been very much more, you know, involved. He would have been, you know, wanted to be more active with with the show. Uh, he was an incredible graphic artist person. Uh, he's somebody that at, at, at parties and events and meetings, you know, if we, you know, as we frequently do, get off on a tangent and talk about something else or, or kind of joke about some of our, 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 our friends, either in the crew or within Starfleet, he would take out his little pad and, and uh, quickly doodle a, a cartoon that and then it would pass <laughs> around to everybody and and we would laugh about it. Um, he was the life of the party. He was, uh, it, it, you know, in many articles that have been written for our publications and, and references at our conference where we kind of had a memorial for him. He's been described as bigger than life. And, and that is definitely true. Um you know, I, I miss him a lot. Um, you know, we were we were good friends. Uh, he was very, you know, active force in Challenger. I think I mentioned before how he created our own Challenger com badge as a fundraising item for our 30th anniversary, and you know, it, he was thrilled when people from Ireland were buying it, and you know, from other countries, and you know how how big of a hit it was. He knew that was gonna was gonna be the case, uh, and I mean I was nervous because I didn't know how many people from other chapters would want to buy, you know, essentially something that's special to us. Uh, you know, it was our our logo, but you know, um, but but he had the confidence, and um, you know he he was going to be going in the spring to a, a Huracan, Michelle Nichols' last convention. Oh, wow. He had done the artwork for the program book. They they knew his work from Shore Leave and Far Point, and they were impressed. And they they were so impressed they said, "Well, we want you to do this, and we're willing to fly you out to to be at the convention because it's on the West wow. Coast." Um, and he was you know he was thrilled by that. That was like one of his highest honors of, of all his work from over the years. Um, uh, he'd been in Starfleet for a very long time. Uh, he'd been on, you know, uh, Challenger was his, I believe, his third chapter, because for a while he lived in Maryland uh, and was a member of, of, of a chapter called the USS Highlander. Uh, he, uh, His parents live in, in northern Jersey, and, and when he moved to back to New Jersey, he was a member of the Avenger and, and was even the Avenger's uh, first officer. Um, and then, you know, he, uh, Annie, his, his now widow, his, was, uh, on our ship. And we knew that the two of them would click. Uh, we, we kind of, you know, introduced them on the phone, uh, when Annie, wow. during Annie's first, we were like, when Annie kind of talked about herself, at, you know, in at, at her, her first meeting and st- uh, kept on. Mentioning the things that she was also interested in beyond Star Trek, we were like, "Wow, you know, uh, y- y- we know somebody that has those interests. You know, uh, uh, the Scottish war. And and it's so funny because so many people think that Todd it was actually Scottish because uh, he that you know he had kind of developed a character for Renfairs and and uh, he wasn't. He was actually German, but you know he made it <laughs> so believable. And uh, that was something that that she that he and Annie shared their, they love for rent fairs and, and, uh, you know, some, some Scottish culture. Um, so they, they, they had so much in common and it's, it's, uh, it's been, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult, especially for her. Uh, they were so devoted to each other. Uh, and, uh, and Todd was just such a well-known and well-loved figure, you know, on Challenger on in region seven and in Starfleet and in fandom as a whole, you know, um, A lot of people from the shore leave committee, you know, were very sad to hear that he had passed and, you know, so. um,
2: Well, I'm glad I got the chance to uh, meet him uh, before he passed. uh, I'll I'll obey it on the air. Uh, Some of his pictures, he looks familiar. So I may have crossed paths with him uh, in my wanderings over the years. Um, But uh, again, I'm not uh, sure And I want to thank you and Emily and your puppy for being uh, on the show tonight. Uh, Let Emily know that she's welcome to participate uh, as well if she'd like. So that's an open invitation. And uh, I look forward to our next conversation, my friend. Uh, Be well and happy holidays. I do,
3: too. too. Have a wonderful happy holidays to you and to your family. And I look forward to our many adventures in 2020. And and there will be many.
2: That's going to be a separate email. Be well, Bob, and happy holidays.
3: Thank you. Take care. You too.
2: And we're going to listen to Dave the Bard's Cauldron Born, and then we'll be back with Pride of Olympus Mythic Adventure Part 2 with Thomas Ponton, um, Tina, and Brian Chandler. And I'm looking forward to that.
1: Now the land is bathed in silver hue you feel so lonely come with me and let me show there are others just like you who feel the powers of earth, sea and sky and dragon and Fairy and shades of the night, hear the call of our ancestors of blood and bone. Of world- The powers of earth, sea, and sky, and dragon and fairy, and shades of the night. He calls to his ancestors of blood and bone. Of Brew and magic she will give to you You will dance in the eye of the storm You're children, the cauldron born
2: Welcome back to Voice of Olympus. This is our special Pride of Olympus crossover in the Archons and Aeons series. And now, Pride of Olympus Mythic Adventure Part 2. I am um, very honored to announce my guests, Thomas Punton, Tina, and Brian Chandler. Greetings and welcome. How are you guys? Greetings, everyone. Hi, Thomas. Ah, doing all right. Great to hear you. Hi, Hercules. Hi Tina, uh, I'm glad you're all here, and uh, um, how are things in your neck of the woods? I guess we'll start with Thomas because he uh, answered first.
4: I'm doing quite well hercules uh we we're, we're, we had our fair share of snow and but we're hanging in there. Uh, had the Order of the Org, uh coven over in my place. We celebrated a wonderful Yule this past weekend we had We had games we exchanged we presents and all that, so we had such a joyous time.
2: Oh, awesome. And you've uh, been getting in shape, too, I can see. You've been uh, um, uh, working out and uh, eating right. Uh, Do you want to share some of your success with that?
4: Uh, Yes. Uh, My uh, dearest sister that you've had on your show, uh, Thera, she kind of had pushed me into getting to work on getting my teeth done because I hadn't been to this in a while. in order to do that i had to get back into shape and so i went to my doctor to get a good checkup and she said you know maybe to get some pounds dropped off and so i started to alter my diet i got off you know going like fast food and all that and i started biking during the warmer days and i I have now we fit as during these colder days and i was able to shave up between 30 to 40 pounds and
2: and i just got
4: and i just Yeah, and well, I've had a high blood pressure, but of course in these older years, you know, it's not as rapid fire as it is. Need some motivation, Uh and then and then I, you know, I just when I had just had my went to the dentist this morning to get some teeth filled in, and they checked my blood pressure, and I'm 117 over 80, so that's much better than what it was a year ago. So yeah, and I've had to invest in a couple belts for my pants. Let me just put you that way.
2: Well, that's good. I'm I'm glad that you're succeeding. It's always great to, to hear that a friend is uh, doing well. So thank you. Yeah. And uh, Brian, you you spoke next. So how are things with you?
5: Anything just general craziness as always.
2: <laughs> Anything good arising from the craziness? Anything uh, cre- creative or productive?
5: Uh, still to be determined. It's Christmas season, so I've been kind of tied up with work quite a bit. So Okay. So that's just, well, that's my craziness, being a one-man operation. I'm kind of stuck with it.
2: Um, Are a lot of people getting into collectibles uh, now that we've become a superhero culture?
5: They're starting to a little bit. You know, I can't tell you how many people I've had coming in after they've seen the movies going, Hey, I remember reading that as a kid. What do you have? Are they they even still doing comic books? Well, yes, they are. So I'll point them in the right direction, and I'll still go.
2: That that is awesome. Uh, And, Tina, how are things with you?
0: Oh, pretty good. We've got our uh, two sons listening in with us tonight. Greetings
2: and welcome. They're
0: jumping up a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Bob Oswald
2: had his wife and listening in, so uh, today's family night, I guess, on The Voice of Olympus. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, otherwise, general craziness. Um, Brian didn't mention we were at a like a mini convention they uh-huh. had at our local library last week. And uh, there was a couple of people, especially younger ones, that are asking us, you know, how could they get collections, you know, uh, what do they need to do? What do they need to know?
2: And it was a lot of fun. So, I, I could imagine. Have you guys been following the um, uh, Star Trek series? Uh Bob was speaking about them. Like uh, he told me that there's going to be a fourth movie in the Kelvin verse, and uh, um, they're proceeding with a lot of different shows. Uh, have you guys heard anything about that?
4: Yeah, I heard I that heard. the fourth season is now go.
2: Fantastic. That's w- which show the fourth movie, right? Uh, with uh, the fourth movie, yeah. And um, movie. when I yeah.
4: saw when I saw Jonathan Frakes in GalaxyCon, he you know he mentioned he couldn't mention much about the Picard series that you know he's going to appear in there, but he said that it's going to focus a lot more on like the diplomatic and talks than more so on the action side of it like it was traditionally. But mm-hmm. he said it, that Jonathan Frakes said it's still it's going to be very interesting.
2: Okay. That, that sounds good. And at your convention, what did you guys learn about the future of Trek?
4: That it's, it's still going strong, you know, and hearing both, both you know, like from uh, George Sakai and, and Walter Koenig and all that, it was, they're, they're still happy for the fans and everything that it's still been going on strong after all these years.
2: Um, Tina and Brian, what's, what is your favorite manifestation of the new Trek?
5: Ooh. As far as the oh,
2: good... uh, as far as all of them, yes.
5: I'm uh, the new bunch. I actually liked the first season of Discovery quite a bit. I know a lot of people didn't because it was just such a radical change from Trek as you kind of knew it. But I've always had a soft spot for the whole mirror universe thing. So when they started doing that, that sold me right there. Second season was good, but I liked the first season.
2: I I happen to like Discovery a great deal more than I thought I would uh, also. I put off seeing it because it was a great fan outcry, uh, but we actually enjoyed it. So we saw the first two seasons. Um, Tina, how about you? Uh, Well, we just, we have the great
0: Discovery debate (laughs) going (laughs) on in our house also. (laughs) Yeah, Brian is so stuck. Star- I I keep joking with Brian about how he's so stuck about the mirror um, uh-huh. the aspects of everything. <laughs> so, um, also, he's been talking a lot about the card, and I, I'm glad to hear that uh, um, Thomas got to see uh, Jonathan and Uncle George, as as he likes to be known to uh, a lot of his fans. How was how Real- Uncle George and Uncle Brad? <laughs> oh, they
4: they were. <laughs> They were very wonderful and nice and all that. I mean, my my sister got a really good talk with it, with Brad especially and all that. And I got to shake George Sakai's hand. It felt like such an honor. So, and my word, Jonathan Frakes is so tall.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I remember meeting George. I mean, John DeLancey at a convention where I first met. Well, second time I met Brian. And I'm only four foot nine
2: and
0: John Delancey. and he looks like, he looks at me and he says, "Uh, I think you're too young to be here. You need to be carded because you're
2: just too short to be around here. (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha ha. Yeah. I love John Delancey. Back in the day, uh, I used to attend conventions a great deal. We're going to start again. Um, sometime this year, um, but uh, I used to enjoy some of the, the celebrities. They're really great uh, people, and uh, uh, Delancey was one of those uh, people. I always had a great time with him and with uh, the author, Peter David. Wow. I The stuff. writer enjoyed I enjoyed spending time with Peter uh, a great deal.
0: I think it's really interesting when you go to the conventions. You can actually, you know, you learn a lot behind the scenes and where you can pick up some so much from what's going on and what's going to be going on from them. And I, I think that's the most wonderful thing about conventions or, or going to conventions as well. So I'm glad you're going to hit the circuit again.
2: Yeah, now that we're going to be doing our uh, um, you know, our Olympian explorations, uh, we had had an event, and uh, Bob Bossler uh, attended that, as well as some people from uh, Star Trek Region 7 from Starfleet, and mm-hmm. it was called Mythic Atlantis. So uh, it kind of set the stage for everything we've been doing. Um, and uh, now uh, I'm planning on having a second one. People ask me two things whenever they see me walking around. When am I doing Mythic Atlantis and again, and when am I doing uh, my uh, metaphysical lectures? So I guess I have to start both in 2020 because people ask me about it all the time. But I've, I've had metaphysical lectures on Atlantis. I spent a whole year talking about Atlantis uh, um, locally, So I might just focus on Atlantis. And um, what I'm planning on doing is having like a, a Babel uh, conference. And uh, have, I've spoken to several uh, restaurants. Um, so that's kind of like the format where uh, uh, we're going to be taking the Federation to task uh, for knocking off Apollo. So, uh, you know, the things, the stories we're writing and so forth are going to fit into that uh, when it finally comes together at the end of 2020. So uh, I'm really happy you guys are part of that adventure. Thomas is a part of another adventure on Facebook where we're dealing with, with what happened in antiquity that led to all this. And uh, then what we're going to do is... Uh, We picked, uh, in honor of Atlantis, working for clean water as our charity thing. So um, how do you guys feel about working for clean water, making that the the charity thing we focus on?
4: I think think that's a good thing to focus towards greatly.
2: Okay, thank you. Definitely. That's good. Okay, um, what we uh, started doing is we started, uh, I created a platform uh, on the show, uh, and it's called uh, the Atlantis Project, and I've had uh, activists and politicians so far uh, on that show to talk about, uh, um, you know, like uh, clean water, so we have a better idea of, you know, what, what people's perceptions are and, you know, what they feel we should be doing about it, or what, what can be done about it. Uh, And then uh, um, I took the old Mythic Atlantis uh, um, site on uh, Facebook and I changed it to uh, the Atlantis Project. So that'll be like the gathering places. I think like 440 people there. Um, So uh, that'll be like the the place where people can post anything they want to about water. And not only like facts, but also legends and myths and fictional stories and so forth. So anything Atlantis or water-related We'll go there, and uh, also the people have been sending me resources to, for, so people can get involved in uh, um, getting our water supply uh, clean. So I've been posting that information there as well. So I'm trying to figure out a way of organizing it so it's easily accessible. Um, but that's uh, kind of like what's been happening on uh, my end. I think you guys are in the Mythic Atlantis group. If not, I'll invite you.
0: Yeah, I think I forgot. I was supposed to give you some information on the water warriors down
2: here, on your Thoughts on it. Time zooms by so fast. <laughs> so don't <laughs> worry about it. When, when it's time, it will come. Now, creatively, uh, what's been uh, going on? Because you're all creative uh, people and you're expressing creativity in various uh, ways. And I know that we often separate a creative lives from our uh, more mundane uh, uh, survival lives. So, um, Thomas, you shared that you had a, a ritual celebration at your home, uh, and uh, um, that must involve a lot of creativity to put all that uh, together. Would you care in elaborating what you shared?
4: Well, that was a lot of creativity. I mean, basically, we just – well, it was more just we're celebrating in a sense than more of the creativity – um, I actually should mention that next weekend at my place as well, we uh, the Lake Agassiz pagan community is having the Yule, the Yule of the Winter Tide, and we're actually going to be doing a ritual at my fire pit area. Which yes, I, uh, I myself dug out of the snow oh, wow. and we'll be prepared. Yeah, we'll have a wonderful ritual out there to try to awaken the goddess that sleeps, who's who she's currently sleeping over the course of the Yule, and then we'll have wonderful cocoa and. All that for everyone to warm up with afterwards. So, yeah, it's some taking creativity. We're going to the final strokes again. That all prepared this week. It's that it's kind of interesting wonderful. of how. Uh, cr- yeah, it, I, I'm hoping it's going to be. And we, me, and, and one of the others, her name is Heather. We've been working on it together, and we're going to get the final pre- preparations of that this week, and we'll be celebrating it this Saturday.
2: Wow, have you planned on uh, recording it like you have recorded some of your other events?
4: We'll see about that, if if, anyone, if everyone's okay with that. We'll see. I'll, you know, I can't guarantee on that, but we'll see if, we, if I'll be able to, or at least take pictures.
2: Thank you. And uh, Tina and Brian, you went to a convention you shared. Uh, were you in costume or in uh, uh, street clothes?
5: I was actually working as a vendor, so I was kind of in street clothes. I wore one of my okay. Starfleet uh, polo shirts just with the Delta on it, but that was about as far as it got. But I did see some people in Star Trek costumes floating around, which was pretty cool. Um, they were doing a thing with the local library, and there was a section that they had of books they were giving away for, like, prizes for a raffle and stuff. That was probably all told about 100 different Trek books. So they were getting people wow. into it, and I was talking to the uh, lady who was organizing it, and she said they were planning on doing another one and branching more into the sci fi type stuff for next year for one of their uh discussions.
2: Oh, that is fantastic.
0: I, I wasn't street close because I was chasing boys at the time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay
0: But I I will say that the event was also very well attended by our local Quidditch Club. I did not know they had a Quidditch Club at our the local college. Class. So
2: Oh. <laughs> now, how do they play Quidditch?
0: How do they play? Yeah. Well, um, well, unfortunately, there's no flying. <laughs> um, okay. They, they, they run on the roof, and it's kind of like a mixture of football with soccer with tag football. And a guy, instead of a um, of the golden switch, which unfortunately we don't have any in our muggle world, they have somebody that's dressed in yellow clothing that has a uh, tennis ball hanging off the back of their clothing, and the seekers have to go snatch that off of their, off the, off the, off the uh, switch's belt. And these guys can go anywhere they want to. They're not strictly having to stay within the game area. As soon as they chase, they can chase them all over the compound, the, the complex, wherever they're at. It's hilarious watching these guys run. They can climb up trees and stick themselves. Stick Okay, how are we going to get this guy out of a tree? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> well, so that's very creative uh, to take a game that happens in three dimensions and to or four dimensions and to to reduce it to something that they can uh, accomplish in the here and now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, there's actually a, a video about that, but I, I
0: can't remember the name of the video. And it's actually, they have a, a world tournament. Oh, wow. Yeah, and um, one of the colleges was Milton College, the one that formed the the Quidditch Association. I think mm-hmm. it's, they're up near your neck of the woods, so... So I'm like, Chris, yay! <laughs> I mean, they had furries, they had uh, um, anime, they had all sorts of things going on. And it just was really interesting. And, then, and of course, there's the costume people walking through and everything. And, and of course, me trying to chase down the boys. And one's going one direction, one's going the other direction. And I said, okay, I should have worn my skates So <laughs> try to catch the, the boys of parenthood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and like I said, t- you- I think we shared with you that they're getting into the myths of a, of a, Olympus and everything. Yes. <laughs> Are they enjoying it? Oh, yeah. Um, Brian, you showed them uh, hormones for Adonis, right?
5: Yes. Well, part of it. They saw about the last half of it. It was on HI the other night. So they were sitting there watching that. I have to sit them down and let them watch the whole thing.
2: Yeah, the, um, I, I love that episode, and that's why I saw a lot of what we did back in the 80s and are, have woven into today is uh, centered around that episode. And uh, I believe uh, Tina had given me a link at one time to the uh, Star Trek Continues, to the episode where they uh, kind of continued the story on there. And then I found all sorts of reference in the, in the books and one of the graphic novels.
5: Er, Hercules? Hercules? Yeah. Hercules? Uh oh. <laughs> That's
4: not good. That, that was my phone <laughs> talking out. <laughs> I almost thought
5: that same thing too. <laughs>
2: I'm back. That hasn't happened in a while. I thought they fixed that when they overhauled their system. All of a sudden, I was disconnected. Uh, So uh, anyway. uh, Get
4: me there for a second.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, online radio is quirky. And uh, people suggested like switching to Skype or, you know, like uh, the free conference call and things like that. But there have been, uh, perks on those as well when I experimented with them or when I was in other people's shows that uh, used them. So it seems like whatever system, you just have to make the best of it. So uh, I learned with Block Talk Radio that I keep my telephone right next to me uh, to auto-dial the call-in number. And that'll get me reconnected faster than uh, everything else. So uh, anyway, I apologize for that, and I'm back. It's okay shoo. Oh, Thanks, Evan. Snowing up where you're at? I'm sorry. Is it
0: snowing or storming up where you're at? Um,
2: it's it's been wet and uh, sludgy, kind of. I guess that's the best way to describe it. Today's not as bad as yesterday uh, was, or tomorrow promises to be, but uh, um, that is a possibility too. Oh, so anyway, onwards. Um, Onwards. Um, Now, you and uh, you, meaning Tina, and uh, Brian, you shared in the past that uh, you were encountering people at conventions who were looking for some sort of uh, activity, and some of them were from Star Trek-type fandoms, and some of them were from other science fiction fandoms. Did that happen this time around as well?
5: Not as much. I had a few people talking to me about Trek stuff, because I had taken quite a bit of it, to you know, put on the dealer table and whatnot. But this was actually the library's uh, first or second attempt, I think, at doing a show like this. So it okay. was fairly well attended. A lot of it was kids. So okay. they were all into, like, the anime stuff and whatnot. But the ones that were science fiction fans that were there were pretty interested in doing, you know, the, the sci-fi uh, discussions and activities and things like that. So I think that's why the lady from the library was planning to, add back to the, the programming next year.
2: Uh, we have uh, uh, Bob Bossler, who's on in the segment before yours. Uh, he used to run things when he was working in a library, uh, like uh, comic, like mini comic uh, conventions or sci-fi conventions, and we ran uh, one in the Cresca uh, Library, where I'm currently the president. Um, and uh, it was very enjoyable, but you're right, most of the people who were there were kids.
5: You know, which is an okay thing, but they're all into you know anime and that sort of thing. So that's a little bit different from getting into something like Furious Trek*.
2: Yeah, that, that is uh, somewhat uh, different. Um, now, in terms of resolutions for 2020, creative resolutions, because um, I'm I'm developing new programming. So maybe we could work together on something beyond the the Star Trek uh, stuff that we're working on. Uh, what do you want to creatively accomplish in the year ahead? Oof. Oof. Ah, okay. wow.
4: Hmm.
5: That's a good question.
4: That's a very good question, yeah.
2: Because we'll no be way. writing together, so writing will get, accompl- <laughs> will get accomplished uh, for all of us. You know, We'll get a chance to, <laughs> to write, and I, I plan on you know publishing this in some form or fashion, even if it's just a fan fiction type of thing. Um, but just uh, the creative project and the, the role-playing game that Thomas was uh, involved in on Facebook, uh, that I'm planning on doing the same thing. So the first, like, half of uh, the year will be on those two writing uh, projects, uh, which will be kind of fiction based on fact. Um, and uh, um, b- But beyond that, uh, would you like me to start sharing, and then maybe that will inspire you to uh, share? Sure.
4: Sure. I that, yeah, I think that would be a good idea Because, you know, you open it up to any sort of things That would help, you know, any sort of twinkle on inspiration That would bring any sort of good storytelling going
2: Okay, uh, writing is something that I'm going to be focused on more I've been published for the past two years In uh, like uh, um, paranormal anthologies I guess that's the best way to describe it In 14 or 15 of them I don't know if the 15th one came out yet um, But I've enjoyed uh, doing that Um, And that's led to being invited on other people's shows and, you know, to to lectures, talks and things like that. So that's something I enjoy. And that's something I plan on uh, continuing. And I think the biggest thing for the year ahead is uh, um, more public appearances. Uh, so uh, I used to enjoy going to conventions. I was once back in the 80s and early 90s. I was very active in conventions, and I missed that. And uh, um, the, all the creative projects are giving me a possibility to get back into that again. So I'll be focusing on that, um, you know, very much. And I would like to take the audio into video so that I'm still recording some audio shows but also starting to, you know, put together like mini shows. I used to have a cable show like a dozen years ago or so. So um, now it's easier than ever to produce things on video. And then there's forums like YouTube to put them on. You don't have to shop at stations and, you know, do all sorts of things and they get advertisers. And, you know, it's all easier now. So it's thinking of putting together, like, short uh, shows uh, with video. So that's kind of like what my plan is for uh, 2020. So now I've moved the baton to Thomas.
4: I think the biggest thing is um working on is, of course, you know, when I, as for the LAPC, we do our more open rituals that we're doing because I work with some of the others to do it just as much like I did for Yule here. Um, I've, I've also been role-playing um, an old uh, RPG game called Neverwinter Nights. I've got characters I'm playing on that and getting those expanded as well. And, of course, then, of course, you're your mythic adventure as well continue that adventure as well as the, i've been kind of interested like interesting how much i've been flowing and it just my character there that i've been playing as more and more that kind of reflects myself in the real life kind of and i just hope that you know i can just grab out because sometimes i have those days where i just happen like what ideas can i think of and there's something will i'll look at something and bam and they'll a voice of inspiration just hits, like like a the music just slapped me in the back of the head. It's like, here we go. <laughs> so I'm hoping to aim for that.
2: Uh, i i you are very creative i've known you for very many years and you're a creative individual so i'm sure that you'll do you know, phenomenally well with whatever you uh whether it's building fire pits or putting the other rituals or, or role playing um never winter nights is they, they they came out on PlayStation 4 with a lot of those old games is that the version that you're playing
4: um the version i'm playing actually uh was my sister Thur and her husband introduced me that came way back in 2001 way okay. back then um and you can actually find it on Steam, actually. But I think it might be on the PlayStation 4. I'm not so sure. The version I'm playing through is playing through is through Steam, actually. Okay. And there's a server there, there we're role-playing on, and I have a couple of characters that I, I role-play on there. It's been kind of fun.
2: <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun. You will succeed. I know that about you. Tina? Thank you. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> well, um... The creative things I'm working on is I've um, written two children's books. One of my friends is going to be doing the illustrating, and we're just oh, going awesome. to be trying to find a... Thank you. And um, also, Brian and I were collaborating on, a, on another book, but like I said, we're trying to get an illustrator together, and then, of course, write a publisher to uh, put the books out, so... Um, that's something we've been working on, um, continuing on, um, working with the local scout troop with our children here. Um, like tomorrow night is our, our, uh, Christmas slash Yule, Kwanzaa, uh, Hanukkah, <laughs> everything all over <around> the <laughs> celebration here.
2: <laughs> yeah, I tend to lump those so together this... too, when my oldest son was, mm-hmm. was little, uh, we celebrated everything with him. So any holiday was in December. He, he got to celebrate our presents for us. So he loved it.
0: Well, um, the meetings take place at a Unitarian church, so they're really open about um, everything. So they said the more oh, the merrier, especially the more food, the better. So.
2: <laughs> that sounds incredibly awesome, and you guys will succeed. I've known you a long time as well. Um, and, Brian, do you, do you care to share a little bit more about the project that you and Tina are working on, the, or as much as you can share?
5: Um, well, we've actually talked about, like she said, doing a couple of books. And Bobby, our oldest son, or that we still have at home anyway, um, is very, very into um, old airplanes like Warbirds and whatnot. And his favorite one is a B-29 called Fifi. And it's <laughs> one of
1: the
5: only... It's only one of two flying B twenty nines still around. And we were talking about writing a book with that using some pictures that I had taken um when Bobby was very young was when he first saw Fifi the first time. He was only like three or four. And
2: oh, that is we were fantastic. wanting
5: we were wanting to do what they called the story of Bobby and Fifi because he is really into it. And being artistic like he is, um, one of his first complete sentences when he first saw the plane was, oh, I really like her. I want to take her flowers. So Aww. two years two years later when the plane came back, he actually took flowers to see the plane. So, you know, we kind of want to write that up as a little story and get it to the, the people who fly and maintain the airplane and, you know, see if we can kind of get that out into, you know, general circulation with them. Because so I think that would be a very cool thing for a children's book.
2: Oh, that is fantastic. That That is great. When you guys get these things uh, published and out there, uh, I'll be more than happy to help promote them on the uh, podcast or by then the video show or, you know, whatever we uh, put together. Awesome. Oh, that so great. And uh, since you guys do things at libraries, your local library is a great uh, resource. Uh, in Like they have author's days that you can set up with them. And I, I've okay. never known a library to charge for it. Uh, but basically people can meet the authors and, you know, you, you present information, you answer questions, and then people can buy the book. So uh, yeah. that's something you can arrange with all your lo- local libraries. And uh, local chambers of commerce, too, they seem to celebrate local authors a lot. Uh, no matter where I've lived, uh, the chamber of commerce, uh, if you publish the book, uh, they'll do the same thing. They'll set you up someplace where you can talk and um, answer people's questions, expose them to your book, and uh, then uh, sell copies of the book. And usually, in these uh, the library and the Chamber of Commerce events, people sign their books. You know, the autograph. I mean, that's part of the um, you know reason for people coming. Historical societies is all sorts of, you know, especially with the uh, the plains. You know, they might be interested in it. So when you're ready to promote her, I'm sure you'll find. You know, tons of places that will help you uh, promote the book.
5: Yeah, that was kind of our thought with that, too, because they do a thing down here they call the uh, Southwest Florida Reading Festival. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they actually do it it twice a year. I'm not sure exactly when. But they have that. It ties in with the library, kind of takes over downtown Fort Myers a little bit. And um, the Southwest Florida Historical Museum is here, too, because um, Page Field, where these planes usually show up, was a World War II training base, so, you know, we've got all that history there with this, so tying it in with the Warbirds and the older planes and things like that I think would be good to kind of bring a little bit of history to life, so to speak.
2: Wow. I'm looking at the clock. I'm having so much uh, fun. The time has passed. Um So um, uh, thank you again. It's always great talking to all of you. Uh, You're fantastic uh, people, and I'm honored to know you, and I'm honored to be working with you creatively. And uh, I wish you all a happy holiday. Pick a holiday, whichever holiday you celebrate. May it be uh, joyous, and may the year ahead bring you much uh, joy, prosperity, personal fulfillment, uh, and whatever you desire.
4: Same to you. Same
2: to you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. And we're going to listen to Dave the Bard's Land of the Ever Young, and then we're back with our scholars from the edge of time Nicholas Dyack and Michelle Brittany. I And welcome back to Voice of Olympus. This is Hercules Invictus, and we've reached the last third of our show. Um, I am honored to introduce scholars from the Edge of Time, Nicholas Dyack and Michelle Brittany. Greetings and welcome.
6: Good evening, Hercules.
2: Good evening, sir. Good evening. How is everything with uh, you guys? What is new and exciting?
6: Uh, Well, it's the beginning of the week, and we're hoping we don't uh, fall off air. Uh, We have a lot of wind here in Southern California. The Santa Ana winds, and it's kind of cold.
2: I'm sorry to hear that. We already fell off air. I got disconnected, so I'm talking from my cell phone uh, now. That was the only way I could reconnect. So um, I hope that does not happen, but if it does, I certainly understand.
6: Well, we will endeavor to jump right back on
2: if that's the case. I think we're on our (laughs) own. And um, I located, well, I still have Michelle on. um, I located, uh, when I was visiting uh, one of uh, the game stores uh, locally, a PlayStation 4 game called Pharaonic, P-H-A-R-A-O-N-I-C, the deluxe edition. I got it for 6 bucks, I think. Uh, but it all takes it all place in ancient Egypt. It's
6: pharaonic?
2: Yeah, P-H-A-R-A-O-N-I-C for the PlayStation 4. And, uh, um, and of course, I scarfed it up because I, I also love uh, ancient Egypt. But uh, uh, I kept it by the computer so I could tell you about it.
6: Oh, yeah, I'm looking at some screenshots. It looks neat. Have you started playing
2: yeah, it yet? It, it looked like, I haven't played it yet, no, but uh, uh, I'm waiting for a Greek mythology game that's in the same style to come out uh, sometime very soon. Um, but uh, um, I, I got this one because I knew at some point I'd want to play it. So, so it's there and I could reach for it uh, <laughs> when I want to enter ancient Egypt. Yeah, it
6: looks like it's just for the PlayStation 4 Um, You got a
2: good deal. I'm sorry. No,
6: no, it doesn't look like it.
2: Oh, Oh, that's unfortunate.
6: Nope, Nick found it.
2: Oh, did he for the for the Xbox? That's great.
6: Yeah, for Xbox One, they have a a copy of it, so I will definitely be uh, looking for that. That would be a fun one to play and then talk about.
2: Awesome. Um, I had emailed uh, Nick. I'm sorry I didn't see you on the communications, uh, but uh, um, I was thinking of more options uh, for our shows together. And uh, one of them was to spend an episode, not regularly, whenever you'd like, um, on uh, gaming. Because we'd already discussed gaming in a few episodes, and I thought maybe we could revisit that like once every so often. Um, as an option. And then uh, um, I love your mummies blog and uh, Nick's new peplum book. So I thought that if we had shows every now and then devoted to the new peplum, because there's a lot of new peplum things uh, coming out. Um, And uh, also there's a lot of Egyptian mummy things coming out. Uh, So I figure we can keep on top of that uh, through the podcast. So, what are your thoughts? oh,
6: yes. oh definitely i would I would like that. um, I haven't been uh keeping up with my blog, but that's one of the things in the new year that I want to get back into and in writing my blog on a more regular basis. Um, I had been doing it every week, and i I will probably go to like every other week or twice a month, you know, however that works out um because I do miss writing about it and um and and I'm anxious to get back into my blog, but definitely I would love to do some gaming and film discussions as well. I think that that would be great.
2: I started uh, reviewing, uh, which I used to do much more in the past, and now I started uh, doing it uh, much more consistently. And uh, um, I've been looking for um, miniatures uh, because the miniatures uh, stimulate imagination. So, uh, one of the companies, uh, LOD Enterprises, uh, they make a line of the War at Troy figures. And they're a little bit oversized for, like, uh, fantasy role playing, like the maps. They're they're bigger, but the detail is fantastic. They really conjure up the Bronze Age. And uh, as you know, I'm a Lemnian Greek we're descended from the Amazons that Jason and the Argonauts uh, Um, encountered on that island early on in their uh, voyage. So uh, this one, it's historically accurate, and uh, they have a whole line of things with the Trojan War. Uh, They have Trojan soldiers, Greek soldiers. They have the the Trojan horse. They have the wolves of Troy. So uh, you can really uh, immerse yourself into uh, the Age of Heroes, which was the Bronze Age uh, in Greece, and uh, i found some promising egyptian ones also so uh, i'm going to see if i can uh, um review those as well as we progress on this new journey
6: oh yeah i'd be, I'd be very curious about that um i know that uh, nick has played okay so these are these are more kid oriented but the skylanders have some egyptian influenced uh characters. And so um there's been a, a few that I kind of keep out um as inspirational but also, you know, they're they're cute. So <laughs> <laughs> I like to look at them. <laughs>
0: That's
2: awesome. Um, I found Minecraft Greek mythology figures, but they're tiny. So uh, <laughs> I ordered the Hercules one, uh, and I, I don't think I'm going to order the rest. They're just way too small and way too much for what they're asking.
6: Have Have you looked at the, the mini Lego figurines? Uh, they have some. No, I haven't, I haven't looked at those yet. Yeah, I would say yeah. check out those. Um, Because I have found some Egyptians, like, you know, mummy and pharaoh-type looking ones. Not many, but uh, I think, like, you know, two or three different ones that I've come across. Um, So you might check that
2: out, too. Okay. I I found uh, a game that uh, they had called Minotaur or Minotaurus I don't remember exactly uh, how they styled it, but it was basically the labyrinth and the minotaur. And Legos had experimented with doing like board game, role playing game hybrids for a while, uh, but I contacted the company because I really liked uh, this uh, game, and they said that it's out of print. Uh, so even though I reviewed mm-hmm. it, I put down that it's you know it's out of print. They're not really thinking of uh, continuing this, but uh, the old games are worth uh, um, digging up if you come across them because it, it's very you know quick and easy to to set up. Uh, a uh, labyrinth and uh, fight a minotaur whenever you're up the mind to.
6: Yeah, I know that uh, you know we have uh, Disneyland out here, and we've been out to Disney Downtown uh, that has a Lego uh, store. And I know, Nick, do you remember there was uh there was a set that came out? But I think it's been a while ago. Uh, that was Egyptian-oriented, or there was something about it.
7: Yeah, there's ancient Egyptian Lego sets that came out in the 2000s, I think. Yeah, <clears throat> that's been a while, but there are some, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Hmm. Well, tonight, after we finish, I'll run on Quest and see if they have any ancient Greek uh, um, Lego stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that.
7: I know a lot of people make their own kind of custom Legos. We'll go to a lot of comic book conventions and there'll be folks that sell either modified Legos or their own figurines or whatnot. And I want to say I've seen maybe some Grecian Roman Legos out there. Um, but again, I think those are all kind of custom made. I can't, I can't envision any like actual like sets that are Grecian and Roman unfortunately. I'm trying to think hmm. if we saw any of Power. You know, um, Mostly they flirt with the sword and sorcery genre, you know, medieval Legos and fantasy Legos. But they don't usually go back further than that, except for the Egyptian sets.
2: You know what? The The Egyptian show will come in handy, too. One of the things that I found, like, after uh, Dungeons & Dragons 3.0 and 3.5 with the uh, OGL systems and all that... Uh, for a while, there was a consistency in the size of miniatures and maps. So everything was like uh, to scale for the most part. And now these miniatures are not being produced uh, or not as readily they're not as readily available or they're too expensive. Um, so I'm finding that in my games, um, anything that could be used to represent something is better than not having anything at all uh, in terms of the role play. Um, so the size doesn't matter much at all, uh, and that's why the uh, the Trojan series um, is very exciting because they're very well sculpted and they're paintable like the small uh, you know, metal miniatures. Um, but uh, now I'm remembering that uh, uh, some kid had played an Egyptian character and had brought something that looked like they were made of Legos. So it could be that I'm familiar with some of the pieces in that set.
6: Yeah, that could be. I I haven't actually bought any of the Lego characters, um, partly because they're so small. I'm I'm afraid I'm going to lose
2: it. <laughs> yeah, my wife had gotten me a Hercules a miniature, a lead one, and I lost it. It was just too small, and uh, I put it where it could be prominently displayed on a bookshelf. But it, it must have gotten knocked down, and who knows? I'll stumble across it someday.
7: Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be afraid of losing. them. I would be afraid of our cats getting them. Well, ah. yes,
6: the cats do that—they do on it or something. They—they they like to jump up on the cases occasionally, or you know, they'll see something and then they—they they just kind of fix on it, fixate on it. So, but, uh, how have you been, Hercules? It's been a month since we've talked with you.
2: Yes, it has <laughs> been. Um, well, I, I'm experimenting with uh, different. Uh, dietary practices i'm experimenting with different uh um exercises um there is uh i've I've been in communication with folks from the bull worker do you remember the bull worker
6: i uh, no i'm not i'm not familiar with that
2: it's it's an old-style, like, isometric, isotonic type of worker. Uh, it was very popular when I was, uh, like, in grade school and uh, uh, in high school, and they brought it back, so... Uh, um, I'm interviewing the person who brought it back on one of the podcasts, and uh, I will be uh, trying out the system for a few months you know, to see if it's uh, uh, as I remember it. And one of the other uh, regular guests that I have on, he swears by the worker, so I'll have him on uh, also. And then there's a system called X3 uh, that was designed uh, – um, to be like really heavy weightlifting without the really heavy weights, it uses these, uh, cords and, uh, I've been in communication with them uh, as well. So I'll be trying that out, uh, in uh, January. So I'm really excited about that. I love, uh, um, working out and, um, Um, creatively I'm writing and uh, I'm appearing on other people's shows and I'm talking in front of audiences so uh, I'm going to start some paranormal investigation like field work I've done that in the past and I plan on doing that again Uh, so uh, I'm really excited about uh, you know all of those uh, creative and fun things so uh, that's pretty much where I am where are you guys
6: uh, well, I'm still working out, so um, awesome. I'm, yeah, I'm in my who, 11th month. I've lost 40 pounds, All right. um, and I've, I've been doing workouts. So, you know, I go to UFC, so I've been doing um, a combination of um, toning and weightlifting and then uh, cardio uh, work that I do through the week when I don't go to the gym. And then I, I do meet with a personal trainer once a week. Um, and we're now at a point where we uh, working on um, uh, stabilizing and keeping, um, you know, kind of consistent weight while I continue to tone. So um, I had been on the 50-30-20 formula with regards to carbs, uh, protein, uh-huh. and fat. And now I'm on a, a 35 35, 30 uh, percent of, uh, you know, the three. So starting to, you know, work on kind of reshaping my diet so that um, I can match up with those percentages um, and get the, the grams right with regards to each class, each, each it's category.
2: Yeah. Well, that is awesome so and exciting. I, I need to invite you on uh, one of our fitness shows. We have a, uh, we have a show that uh, people, like, share their uh, individual journeys and how they're doing with them. Uh, so I definitely have to invite you to be on, uh, you know, one of those. And, uh, um, yeah, because different things work for different people. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. this way, by just sharing what works for you, you never know it to work for somebody else.
6: Yeah, uh, sure, I would love to do that. Um, you know, uh I think that it you know, it's the first time in my life that I feel like I've actually, you know, in a fit state that I've never been mm-hmm. before. Um, and I went from approximately 40% body fat down to I think I'm right at about 30% now. Um, you oh, know, wow. for my age that's Pretty good, you know. um that, that even is great. down, to, yeah, down to I think like 28 or 29 percent. It's just a matter of you know still working on getting the balance. But um, I've been doing a lot of, of weight work, um, and each week, you know, my my trainer really works me out. <laughs> so <laughs> um, and I just got, I just got new um, I just got New routines that are total body workouts that I do mm-hmm. on Saturday, um, and then I meet him once a week, and then I do cardio the rest of the time. But it's hard work; it is such hard yes. work, but it definitely
2: worth. But it's very satisfying uh, in a way that few things uh, are. Yeah, it's 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 not like immediate gratification because it does take a lot of work, but when you see results and you know all the hard work that went into getting the results, it's a very satisfying feeling.
6: Yeah. I, I know for me, I had like a, I had a few things in my closet clothes wise that I was very interested in being able to fit back into um, after a very long time. And I was very happy to now fit and they're actually a little bit loose on me now, so it's it's exciting. That that's probably the the best way that I've been able to see a big change, because it's kind of hard when you look at yourself and in the mirror and really see yourself at this thinner thinner shape. Right. Um. At least for for myself and maybe women more generally, we tend to be a lot harder on what we see in the mirror. So yeah, <clears throat> clothes is definitely helpful for me too kind
2: of gauge exactly where I'm at Well that is so fantastic. I'm I'm yeah, I'm really pleased to hear that uh, you're succeeding with this and uh I wish you continued success. Thank you. And Nicholas, what is new with you? Ah, so <clears throat>
7: for the past month I've been working on my
2: Gladiator,
7: in industrial music essay. It's for a book project called A Hero Will Endure, Essays on the 20th Anniversary of Gladiator. Uh So uh, I'm working with a different editor, different publisher, so it's all a lot of new for me because in the past, you know, my editors have always either been Michelle or someone else I've known. So it's kind of different working with someone (laughs) you know, new, and also for a different publisher as well. But um, Mm -hmm. I came in very, very late to this uh, process. Uh, I'd only discovered the call for essays very recently, and the book uh, was actually near its completion, but the editor still felt uh, she was short some essays. And so they asked, uh, you know, would I mind contributing? Because I'd actually reached out thinking, the book was basically done and was offering my services to like review it or promote it or give a blurb for Mm -hmm. it, you know, try to be the best uh, literary citizen for a, you know, the sword and sandal genre as I can. But the response back was, uh, but, uh, you know, the response back was, can you contribute? And I'm like, when do you need it by Uh, into December. And I'm like, Oh, that's a really quick turnaround. So, so, uh, Yeah, so I'm kind of under a tight deadline, plus I've got to juggle, Michelle and I, we got our uh, proof back for our joint horror book, so we've got to edit that, Uh, we got to do our last round of edits on that, and plus, you know, it's, you know, Christmas season, so we've got, you know, Christmas chores to run, so it's, it's been pretty hectic, but uh, I am looking forward to getting this essay done, I'm about, oh man, 80, 85% done with it, um, I really just got to write the introduction and tighten up a couple sections and I'll be able to, uh, you know, pass it off to be edited and then uh, submitted. So, again, one of my quickest turnarounds for an essay, but I, I'm very uh, pleased with it so far just because it, you know, combines my, um, my uh, adoration for the neo-peplum genre and also with industrial music. So I get to write about, you know, two kind of pop culture fields I've been trying to, you know, stake my claim of expertise in.
2: That is incredibly awesome. And uh I saw on uh Facebook that you had a picture of your bookshelf full all the books that you've uh uh gotten published in the past year and a half or so and that is awesome. Uh
7: thanks. Yeah, Michelle and I we both we have this uh shelf in our uh living room where uh we both have our each respective vanity shelves that we keep all of our <laughs> uh, you know and say, Hey, here's what we've been in. Um so it's been kinda neat and and even though that's not part of my vanity shelf, I keep finding, like,
2: recently, you know, my, my work being cited in other books. That is that it's is a, incredible, no. yes. It's like when Michelle uh, shared uh, with her 007 book, you know, how that had started mm-hmm. uh, opening all sorts of doors and appearing in all sorts of places. So I'm glad you're getting the same uh, um, type of reception with your uh, Peplum book.
7: Ah, uh, yeah. I I, pre- I mean, it's been onesie-twosie type things, but, uh, Just today I found out there's a book coming out. It's actually already out from Bloomsbury called Tracking Classical Monsters in Popular Culture. And they do a presentation of me. There's a PhD uh, dissertation that was done last year that they heavily leveraged, uh, not just my introduction, but many of the essays in the book too. So that person went and got their doctorate and, you know, just, seeing things uh you know uh pop up now and then and and of course i keep an eye out for you know when michelle's work gets uh you know cited too because i go grab her i'm saying michelle michelle look you know (laughs) this has been cited so so it's nice to see that the the new peplum is you know it, it takes about a year to year and a half uh after a book comes out for it to start you know um being picked up by other folks and being used, and you know, this is the two-year anniversary of my peplum book coming out. Uh, you know, it came out wow. late December in 20, uh, in in two thousand seventeen. So it's it's had its little journey, and uh, I think it's still
2: going. Yes, it is, and uh, we we I, we started interacting around the time little uh around the time that your book uh, was going to be coming out. Uh, I think a little earlier than that. Uh, so we've known each other now for uh, going on three years. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well, you've been
7: well, you've been one of the most uh, ardent supporters of you know of what I'm doing and also what Michelle's doing. So we always appreciate that you give us a,
2: a venue to talk about our stuff. Well, you guys are awesome. What can I what can I say? Um, I have uh, been putting aside films that uh, I've been coming across uh, that are like New Peplum. Uh, I don't know if you've heard Mm -hmm. of these. Uh, One is called Theseus and the Minotaur. No. It's an ultra-low budget. Go ahead. No, I said, but I would watch it. (laughs) Keep going. Yeah, Joshua Kennedy's sword and sandal epic, Theseus and the Minotaur. And and Joshua Kennedy, it seems, has made many very ultra-low budget films. Uh, and I I watched another one of his uh, films that's modern-day Peplum, The Night of Medusa. So uh, mythical themes are popping up in, like, ultra-low-budget movies that are homages to uh, the the movies of, like, the the 50s and 60s and so forth. And uh, with higher budgets, uh, there was a film called Ariadne, and it was like a modern retelling of the Minotaur myth, and another one called Ulysses, The Dark Odyssey, which is a modern-day retelling of uh, the you know the Odyssey, basically with gangsters. Uh, so uh, uh, I enjoyed watching all of uh, the movies. Um, so I figured I'd share them with you. I don't know if you're aware of these uh, particular ones.
7: I am not, but I have a soft spot for a low-budget, Z-grade film. Me too. And for you, though, I might recommend, there's a a film production company called Asylum. They're the ones that make, like, the Sharknado movies. They they have a couple Peplum films, too. And I I picked these up, but I have not watched them yet. But, you know, they do knockoffs of uh, movies about to come out, so... You know, when the, the Ben Hur remake came out a couple years ago, they did their version. It's called In the Name of Ben Hur. And then uh, they did a knockoff of Troy called Troy: The Odyssey. And this one actually looks like it, it's, it might be actually legitimately good. It looks like an old Ray Harryhausen film, instead of just being, you know, you know, toga and sandal. Uh, You know, they're bringing back all, like, the monsters and everything. And so, you know, I think that's one of the things that modern-day Neo-Keplum films kind of don't really do is embrace, you know, some of the mythical monsters that much. But it looks like the the B-grade,
2: Z-grade films are like, yeah, bring on the
7: monsters. We want
2: to see this stuff. Oh, definitely. I I love the monsters. And uh, part of what I've done is cryptozoological uh, um, explorations. And there was a... um a chimera sighting in Pennsylvania I remember. They they weren't calling it a Chimera but they were describing something that uh was like a you know, a lion with three heads and like a snake like tail and uh uh it was making certain noises. Um yeah, you know, so it it was basically a chimera. So I investigated that and um so uh, I love the monsters and in my uh, Facebook where I'm focusing on my diet um, I, you know, compared my diabetes and the whole thing with blood sugar to like a hydra, so that's my battle against uh, the hydra. So I, I love using monsters as metaphors uh, as well. So uh, anything you learn about, it, if you could share with me, I'd be more than happy to to look it up. Uh, the asylum, I've seen their Hercules film. Um, I tried to locate uh, Odyssey Troy because uh, I'm sorry, Troy the Odyssey because you mentioned that to me once before, and mm-hmm. I couldn't find one in Region One. You know, the, the ones that I found were like you know, European or uh, in other parts of the world. So I'm still looking for a, a Region One one. And uh, you know, um, go ahead.
7: Well, what I had to do is I actually had to order directly from the Asylum website. Uh, I ran okay. into the same boat as you. I looked at a giant list of Asylum films in a, on Wikipedia, and I noted all the ones that look remotely peplomy. And, of course, you know, go to Amazon first to see if there's a deal on anything. And a good chunk of them weren't on Amazon at all, or they were other regions. However, when I went to the Asylum's actual website, they do have a storefront, and they have everything they've ever released there. So I actually wound
2: up ordering
7: uh, Ben Hur and Troy directly from them.
2: That is an awesome idea and I didn't think of that so I will definitely visit uh, uh the asylum website and see what you know what I can do because uh, the uh cover art looked uh, awesome the images I was able to find looked uh, awesome so um you yeah, know um I knew that I would enjoy watching it
7: and and you know what and I believe when I ordered directly from them the, the I mean they're all DVDs they weren't
2: any Blu-rays but they were dirt cheap too they were very
7: inexpensive
2: yeah, I found a, a site. One of I think Brian Walker uh, from uh, Brian Driving Theater told me about a site um, that has all these, uh, and I found a copy of uh, uh, the original Theseus and the Minotaur that I'd, I'd never been able to locate uh, that before, and they they had it for like five bucks, you know, so uh, I picked it up right away and uh, I found other hard-to-find movies, Uh, and recently I got a catalog for Alpha Video. They had, like, half a dozen uh, movies in there, too, that I'd I'd never seen and never even uh, come across, so I'll be ordering those as well.
7: Yeah, both uh, Alpha Video and Something Weird Video kind of both excel at dredging up some of those old genre flicks. Uh, The only problem with both of them is, is, you know, they're legitimately, like, VHS transfers or anything, so... You know, image quality, not the greatest, but on the other hand, no one else is releasing them. So, you know, right, right. the kudos a
2: little bit of a home. <clears throat> one of the things that I've been uh, thinking about uh, also is I made a uh, uh, a movie once, and it, it was shown, like, locally, theatrically, and then it was on, like, cable and digital for a while. Uh, and that kind of uh, whet my appetite for, for tackling another uh, um, movie. And if I do uh, move forward with that particular project, it's definitely going to have Kepler elements in it. So um, when that's closer to becoming a reality, uh, the three of us will have a conversation, put some mummies in there, you know, please. make it fun. Yeah,
7: please let's know remember, I think we talked about this a while ago, Michelle's got editing skills. I mean, she's uh, directed and edited uh, quite a few short films and, uh, and plus, I always like to see the stuff you do. I like to go on YouTube every now and then and, and you know, find the old uh, Thor the Barbarian shorts that are out there. They're, 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 there's an innocent fun to them. They capture, a, you know, kind of a, a pre-9-11 uh, innocence of weird
2: New York. Yeah, those were fun to do. And uh, 9-11, you know, pretty much I, I continued for a while after 9-11, um, but uh, – um, th- that kind of killed everything. I, it took me a while, but I built up advertising finally. So the show was like paying for itself. And uh, uh, then there was paying like for like people's services before people were volunteering you know, helping me to try to make something happen. Now you're finally getting money and all this other stuff. And then September 11th, uh, nobody knew what was going to happen, and people were afraid to risk their money on weird TV shows. So uh, that kind of killed uh, um, a lot of the projects. Uh, but yeah, thank you for your kind words. I, I, I enjoyed doing that a great deal. And uh, the movie was kind of, in fact, a, a couple of those clips were in the movie.
7: I know I I picked up a copy of Tales from the Crapper with the hopefully the off chance that there'd been some deleted scenes in there that would have had you in it, but alas, there there wasn't anything so.
2: But I was hoping: Yeah no, they, they, they removed me totally. They got, they got somebody who invested in the movie and has a totally different vision of it. So all the things that I'd recorded with Debbie D and other you know, folks from my show, uh, which was you know quite a bit of stuff, you know, got taken out totally, and uh, I was going to do ta- uh, poultry guys. Um, but I was moved. I moved to Pennsylvania at the time, so you know, being available for shoots was uh, impossible between the traveling from Pennsylvania, and uh, at the time I was working in the human services and teaching. So juggling all that uh, proved uh, impossible, and I didn't want to, you know, disappoint them or hold them back from the shooting. So I just passed on that. But uh, they wanted me to play the Colonel character uh, in that one.
7: Oh man. I would actually watch Poultrygeist if you're in it. I remember being at Comic Con in San Diego back in '08, being at the Trauma booth, and they're heavily advertising that film, and they were showing all these clips from it, and it looks so grotesque and gross and and awful that, uh, well, like a trauma film. <laughs> but uh, I would totally watch it if you
2: were in it because you'd be
0: like, oh, oh yeah, you're sick.
2: <laughs> Well, maybe it's good that it wasn't bid at then if it was that terrible. But we have a future ahead of us. We have years. So I'm sure at, at one point we'll be working on a, a video projects uh, together. And, uh, you yeah, know, I know some direction I want to move into again. And, um, you yeah, know, you guys have verbalized uh, similar And uh, Michelle has experience, so I'm sure we'll come up with a dream that will ignite a spark of creativity and will produce something, uh, if not great, at least uh, memorable and enjoyable.
7: No problem. I mean, you know, you've got an entire YouTube platform out there that you could take advantage of and do some short films with or recreate some of the stuff that you used to do or, you know, create something completely new you know, Hercules's Peplum movie reviews or something.
2: Well, I, I'm looking at the clock. I mean, <laughs> we're out of time. Thank you for all your kind words. I, I feel, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, encouraged now to, to move quicker in that uh, direction. Uh, you and Michelle are incredibly awesome, and it's great uh, to uh, touch uh, base with you guys. Um, I have some other ideas. Which I will email you both about uh, this uh, coming uh, week. And um, thanks again for your time and uh, happy holidays.
7: Wishing you a wonderful Yuletide. Thanks for having us on.
6: Yes, thank you very much, Hercules. I wish you and um, Alina a wonderful Christmas and New Year.
2: Thanks. The same to you. Uh, be well, and I will talk to you soon. All right, cheers. Bye, everyone. Cheers. Bye. And to all those who joined us at home, thank you very much for doing so. Uh, I wish you all happy holidays, regardless of what you celebrate. And may the new year bring you much joy, prosperity, and uh, personal fulfillment. Until next time, this is Hercules and the scholars from the edge of time uh, wishing you joyous journeys and amazing adventures.